You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Hidden Yardage Podcast. I'm Mark Lane. You can follow me on Twitter at the real Mark Lane. Subscribe to the Hidden Yardage Podcast on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. I'm joined, as always, by Sean Martin. And you can follow him on Twitter at SeanMartinNFL, where folks can what, Sean? Hey, come join the conversation and let us know how your Memorial Day weekend was out there, wherever you may have been celebrating. Definitely, definitely let us know. And, Sean, this past week is Cowboys OTAs. So we've got week one of OTAs in the books, and there were, of course, the typical storylines. What did you make of it so far? Yeah, pretty typical, like you said, you know, your usual ex-player is in best shape of his life type of stuff, along with the, you know, off the field, locker room chemistry improving, those types of things. And, you know, locker room chemistry can be as great as it wants to be when it's the first time back in the building and you have that feeling coming back together and you're not really facing an opponent across the way that is going to give you a whole new set of challenges. You know, McCarthy did speak to what it's going to be like to practice with uh, two AFC teams moving forward. And for a coach has been around as long as he has, even he said that's something that's going to be new. So, you know, then maybe we can give some more attention to some of the locker room rumblings that are going on. But, you know, at the moment, yeah, pretty positive reports. Um, but yet there's always going to be some caution with it, and especially in a way that we haven't seen with the Cowboys in a while right now because they're going to be counting on so many young, unproven type of players that, you know, yes, we do want to see positive reports over negative reports always, but when it comes to young players in the offseason, it's about stringing things together. No one day can make up for, you know, another bad day type of deal. You really want to see, you know, multiple days and weeks of positive reports before you can start to feel like you can count on that type of player. So this is the start of that. And we know some players who have uh, gotten off to a good start, your usual candidates of guys like CD Lamb and Dak Prescott looking like he's in great shape with Tony Pollard and all that. Yeah, and it's always nice to hear those storylines. My favorite is whenever a player holds out or isn't present, the coaches always talk about, oh, yeah, well, we got 99% attendance, though. Yeah, the Cowboys are usually a team that likes to odd their attendance pretty well, and they always say that these things are well and well attended, even the backyard type of workouts that Prescott hosts on his own time uh, has the right you know, offensive skill players there and all that. Um, but no high-profile holdouts for the Cowboys to this year. Yeah, none of that. Yeah, none of that going on. Let me ask you this, though, Sean. Do you think that the Cowboys are finally developing – sustainable cohesion under Mike McCarthy? Well, in some ways you have to say yes, right? You know, he's moved through a lot of challenges, probably more challenges than, you know, any new coach to a new franchise should have to face in the short period of time he's been here as far as, 
immediately going into a COVID year with a lot of Zoom virtual work that nobody had ever really heard of or seen before and dealing with that, those struggles. And then even up to today's times, you know, going into this off season and going on things like the Rich Eisen show and saying he can't remember a time where he's dealt with, you know, some of the things as far as questioning that he was getting based on Jerry Jones's comments. So yeah, he's dealt with a lot and, you know, I don't know if it's fair to say that they've turned the corner from those things and that's why you have cohesion. I think you just have cohesion because of the time, you know, you had a head coach in here before McCarthy and Jason Garrett, who was given quite a bit of time. So it's a, it's a great unknown as far as what the lease is going to be with the Joneses moving on from Garrett now. And as, you know, is the pressure on McCarthy as high as we all potentially think it is? Well, if it is, then he should be feeling kind of, you know, a little restless about, again, all these unproven players that are going to have to take a whole lot of snaps this season. So they do have cohesion under him. I think it's probably more fair to say they have um, cohesion under Dan Quinn, even though we all thought he was out the door for either the Denver or the Chicago job this offseason. And McCarthy even said, you know, if he was a younger coach himself, he would be trying to persuade Quinn to go take one of those jobs because of the pressure of, you know, having a guy like that on your staff. Kellen Moore, despite the Cowboys' struggles on offense, even got some head coaching looks. Um, but he wasn't in a position where any team was ready to put him in charge with Kellen Moore as a head coach. But, yeah, I think you have better cohesion under Dan Quinn, to be honest. You know, he's kind of a standalone coach. He could be a head coach. He could have been this year, and maybe he will be next year. And he, he is not getting a lot of advisor, advisory help on the defensive side of the ball from McCarthy. We know McCarthy is an offensive coach, so... Quinn does his own thing, but he gets the results almost to a man. The players love him, so you have that type of cohesion. Um, he's pulled a lot of weight in the draft room already, and he's building a system here on defense that, unlike anything we've seen with the Cowboys in a while, they can kind of carry that side of the ball if the offense is struggling again. Yeah, and when I look at the Cowboys today versus what Mike McCarthy had in Green Bay, that's really where I – see the cohesion and you touched on it with Dan Quinn when McCarthy starting in 09 he had Dom Capers who's a great defensive coordinator running things on that side of the ball so you could always count on Dom Capers for uh, that side of the ball it was taken care of no problem you also had the quarterback situation solidified with Aaron Rodgers. And so you had just a little bit of success and it built on top of itself. So in 09, they go to the wild card. In 10, they win the Super Bowl. I don't know if it's going to happen for Dallas that way. But then in 11, 15 and 1, but they're always winning the NFC North, which, by the way, was a real trash division in terms of quarterback play. The only other quarterback you had opposite of Aaron Rodgers when McCarthy was there was Jay Cutler, okay? The Vikings had Favre for basically 09, and that was it. The rest of the time, it was the Adrian Peterson show, and then the one year when Teddy Bridgewater had a Pro Bowl season in, I think, 15. And then the Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford – tried as he might, I mean, he only got the Lions into the playoffs 
three times in the McCarthy era, 11, 14, and 16. And so that's what I mean is that when you look at the Cowboys now and the rest of the NFC East, it's the Dak Prescott show. I mean, he's the dominant quarterback. The only other one would possibly be Jalen Hurts. I don't think Carson Wentz is going to go on some sort of revenge tour. I don't think that um, Daniel Jones is going to turn into Josh Allen. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying is I see a lot of those same elements that benefited McCarthy already present with the Cowboys. Yeah, and part of it with Prescott is by design. You know, I've even personally on this show when we were doing some of the draft prep work, you know, challenged this team to to put more pressure on Prescott. But part of it's not fair probably as well. You know, like when when it comes to things like wide receiver and, you know, saying, oh, we better keep adding, you know, first-round receivers, make this thing as Dak friendly as possible. And I'm like, you know, hold on a minute. Let's let's see Prescott if he really is going to be the guy who can win this division back-to-back for the first time in, you know, decades. It hasn't happened for not only the Cowboys, but any team since the Eagles a while back. And now everyone thinks the Eagles are the biggest threat to make sure there's no repeat winner going from last year to this year. So you put that pressure on Dak with receivers as far as he's really going to have to get that connection to see the lamb, and that's why it was a pretty big story when we found out that he's sharing a locker next to him in the Cowboys locker room now with OTAs. So that was part of it. But, you know, you look at a position like left guard, they chose to make a hole there. They knew the other issues they were facing to keep certain free agents, and they knew you know, the age of the roster at certain positions and the injury history of some of those star players. They knew all these things, and yet they chose to, you know, not resign a Connor Williams and still think that despite all they had to get done this offseason, they could still upgrade that spot. And it remains to be seen if Tyler Smith is actually an upgrade because he's a first-year player. So, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on Dak, and some of it's warranted, and it's going to be more than fair to, to say, you know, he needs to elevate this offense and, Kellen Moore needs to elevate him, though, and McCarthy needs to help Kellen Moore. You know, there's always layers to it, but a lot of it's also just them, you know, falling back on this pattern of thinking they're much better than they are when you look at how well they performed against the NFC East last year because they had the QB advantage, and that's going to hold true again. But you could have to win some of those non-divisional games again as well, and especially if Philadelphia is, you know, competing much more and. I do think Daniel Jones is going to play pretty well uh, this year. So, yeah, there's no give me wins in this league. But when you have a significant quarterback advantage, it sure does help. And the Cowboys are putting a lot of uh, faith in the fact that they will have the better quarterback out there. By the way, folks, if you want to hear comprehensive talk on the NFC East, then take a listen to the NFC East mixtape with RJ Ochoa and Brandon Lee Gowton on Wednesdays on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. If I had a hold of Brandon, what I'd tell him is I'd say, Hey Brandon, how do you exp- how do you feel about the fact that the Cowboys are eleven and eight at Lincoln Financial Field and that that's the best among NFC East opponents and that the Cowboys are the only NFC East team with at least eight wins in all of the other venues, FedEx Field, Lincoln Financial, and MetLife Stadium. That's what I would say if I had the show. Yeah, they've done great against the NFC East, you know, even during the Garrett years. That was one of the biggest compliments you could give Jason Garrett was he always prepared his team so well for 
those divisional games and really knew him well. And that's why there was even some concern when he went to the Giants if, you know, he was going to be a threat to, you know, coach well against the Cowboys and get the most out of Daniel Jones. But of course, that didn't really work out in any in any type of way for the Giants there. But now they have some, you know, some real coaches and front office structure in place that they haven't had in a long time as far as cohesion, like we're talking about, to uh, try to be a threat. But certainly the, the trendier pick is Philadelphia to be the set to be if not the best but the second best team in the east this year right and that's what i when i look at the cowboys that's what they have over everyone else the eagles have it though i think with nick sirianna coming back in year two and also jonathan gannon their defensive coordinator didn't take any head coaching jobs so he's coming back but really mccarthy it's year three it's a real ota i mean a real offseason program and I think that he's able to carry some of the success and some of what was good about 2021 and build upon it in the in this offseason. And one thing that McCarthy likes to do as well is he likes to get through the installs right now during the offseason program. And then when you go into training camp, you can use more of training camp as kind of, a, you know, prep work on your opponents. So we're already starting to see that they've they've got through, I think, uh, installs one through two last week. Now what's upcoming is they're going to try to get through installs three through eight. But that's what I'm talking about is th- with with McCarthy, it looks like he he's able to just get that, you know, that cohesion. You're like, Garrett was never able to do this is what I'm saying. There was always something in the Garrett era after they'd make the playoffs that they just couldn't really carry over the success from the year before and have it be sustainable. But I feel like McCarthy is at least getting it to that point. And what's benefiting him is how, you know, down the NFC still is. Yeah, and that was kind of a controversial point when he started here. Um, when you talk about installing offenses, you know, he said he was a firm believer, and this might be, or might have been at the time, just kind of buzzword stuff when it comes to him just trying to say the right things in front of the Joneses, which we know is something that, you know, he doesn't shy away from in terms of just trying to stay in a favorable position from the guys who signed his paycheck. So that's what we're all trying to do, right? But he, uh, you know, at the time, Kellen Moore was a hotter candidate than maybe he is at the moment. He, of course, didn't get any head coaching jobs this offseason cycle. So he said that whoever is going to be calling the play should be a bigger part of the install. And he wasn't probably as much hands-on with it as he could have been. Or, you know, his his first year, he didn't even have any hands-on work during his time of the year. So, there, as I've been saying, there's some things that are unfair about this whole process and it's all about how you deal with it. But now, yeah, if he's going to be a part of the install and he's going to be able to help Kellen Moore out, I think that's a positive sign in the right direction with a coach who's, you know, been around. He's confident that he's going to get some time here with the Cowboys. You know, a lot of people are saying he's on the hot seat and they walk up and down the roster and say, man, this isn't a, this isn't the type of team this year that can, you know, keep a coach that's on the hot seat still working here. They're not going to be good enough especially with the lofty expectations. But, 
you know, McCarthy certainly doesn't seem like he sees it that way. He's going to be here to see this thing out and see exactly how these young players that he's going to be more hands-on with uh, develop. And one of the players that has a chance to develop is C.D. Lamb with Amari Cooper going to the Cleveland Browns. It's an opportunity for the former 2020 first-round pick to step up and seize that number one wide receiver job. There's confidence that he can do it. But what about you, Sean? Do you think that Lamb can take the, the next step and become WR1 in Dallas? Yeah, I certainly think he can. You know, it's going to fall on so many, so many factors, like I've been saying. It's all, you know, you talked about why the Cowboys can't repeat that type of success. It's because they hit themselves to one thing that they know was working at one point in time. And then they say, oh, we'll be able to do this forever, even though they don't realize how many other things that are controlling it. Or, you know, potentially falling apart. So, yeah, I can see the OM be a wide receiver one. Sure, it's exactly what he was drafted to do. The team had bigger needs in that draft, but they saw the talent in OM, and we all did. We all wanted him to be the pick when he made it to 17, and he was. So, good on them for pulling that trigger. And now, in some ways, good on them for throwing him to the, into the wide receiver one role and saying, hey, this is what we drafted you for. So, you better say you can do it, or we have to make, you know, a tougher decision to continue building at receiver but we have what we want here and you know it's not great that James Washington is starting OTAs in a walking boot if you're not going to have Michael Gallup to go help CDLM but I think what excites me the most about him as a potential receiver one is you know certainly that run after the catch ability that we all saw as probably his best trait out of Oklahoma the Cowboys are probably frustrated with Amari Cooper's inconsistency in this area you know they couldn't really scheme a lot of touches for him in a short game that, he, that they could expect he would be able to turn it to even a first down or an explosive type of play. But, you know, if Lamb, he'll give you three or four of those a game where he catches a simple pass and turns it into something more. And you need those types of plays on any drive that you can expect to score. We know this offensive line is going to still be working through some issues. So the idea that this team can still sustain long drives by just wearing on teams and going methodical play after play might not be the best way to do it. You're going to need some big plays down the field from not only Lamb, but you can throw Jalen Tolbert and those guys in there as well. But after the Cats, Lamb's going to make a big difference this year. And that was something that Troy Aikman talked about early in 2021 with the Cowboys offense, was he said, how you beat them is you make them drive the length of the field, hope that they commit a penalty that stalls the drive, and just try to get the game into the fourth quarter and see what happens. And you're right, that may be the blueprint this year for the Cowboys is to just let it, you know, put it, make the make them play small ball and see what happens. So it'll be incumbent upon them. By the way, year three for Des Bryant, that was his first a thousand yard receiving season. When he caught 92 passes for uh, 1,382 yards and 12 touchdowns for C.D. Lamb, he has already gone past 1,000 yards receiving. He did it last year with 11.02 and six touchdowns, and that was with him playing uh, as part of you know the trio with Amari Cooper and and Michael Gallup. So I think that he has shown a little production each season, just incrementally. 
and he may be ready to take that step to be that guy. And it is. They're going to need him to seize the role because of the vacancy. But I think that the receiving core in general is in a lot better place than it was in 2018, the last time that Dallas just, you know, let go, in essence, of a Pro Bowl receiver. So I think that they're in a lot better place than they were in 2018, and C.D. Lamb certainly instills that confidence. Yeah, 2018 was a dark time at receiver. I mean, that was as close to just throwing a year away of Dak Prescott's career as you can come when it comes to you know you have a good young quarterback and this is what you give him. I mean, that was so tough to watch at times until they got Amari Cooper in there, of course, and that helped things. But now to think that Cooper's already gone, you know, it's kind of mind-blowing to to see the turnover that they've gone through at that position. But, you know, Lamb's a guy who, you know, it sounds cliche, but even when he's covered, he's open type of guy. Prescott's not that type of thrower, and maybe that's the next step to even his game where he's going to have to make those types of throws to Lamb. But, you know, Lamb's a guy who can go up and get it in traffic, which excites you because throughout a 17-game season, we know a concern for this offense right now from what we saw a year ago was that they can't consistently scheme you know, the right touches for the right guys. They can't adjust to the way defenses are adjusting to them. So when that happens, can Lamb be the guy to just go up and get it? Cooper made a lot of unscripted plays as well, but it was more, you know, changing up a route or changing just the subtleties and like the way he would angle things just to get more open and make those types of plays. Lamb can make a difference by just, you know, catching a ball in between three different guys and bouncing off of them and and getting a first down, you know, those types of plays are what you need to see from your wide receiver one. Yeah, and like I said, it's a lot better place than it was in 2018, and I think that Lamb is able to seize the opportunity because usually year three is when it really starts to unlock for a receiver, even if they are really good. I mean, year three is when it starts to open up and the game starts to slow down a little bit more for them, so... And then you got, like I said, this is um, just kind of an emblem of the good feelings of the offseason where C.D. Lamb, his locker room is, I mean, his locker is now right next to Dak Prescott's at the star. I, I want to hear he's taking more reps with Dak in the Dak yard, though. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, the Dak yard always gets, uh, from what we hear, pretty good attendance, so yeah, it would be nice to know if, if I am as part of those or not. But, you know, as long of guys like Tolbert and, you know, some of these down-the-roster receivers who need to work in the time with Prescott, the extra time at that. So, yeah, you do want Lamb to be a part of that. And as for the lockers being together thing, you know, just real quick, there's no shortage of confidence in, in these two players. And I mentioned this in our Twitter spaces that we've been doing before each of these podcast recordings, but, you know, Prescott's the type of guy who has the utmost confidence in his own ability to really do not only the things that he knows he can do and he knows the team is asking him to do on a regular basis, but even things that the team, you know, probably should be asking him to do. Like when they said in 2018, you know, perfect example that we already mentioned, oh, go, you know, make this team good despite having Alan Hearns to throw to at receiver. It just didn't happen. But, yeah, no shortage of confidence in the way Prescott expects that he's going to be able to get the ball to Lamb this year. And the exact same goes for Lamb as far as, like I said, when he's covered, he's open. He can be the wide receiver one. He can attack defenses in so many different ways. He can do it with the spotlight on him. 
you got to put those two guys next to each other. It can certainly have a positive impact on just the whole entirety of the locker room and the rest of this offense, to say the least. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another guy who is taking a, a next step on the team is J. Ron Curse. The Cowboys brought back the safety after he was on a one-year deal, and he mentioned during OTAs last week that he felt like he was just getting his feet wet and learning his way around the Cowboys in 2021. But now that they brought him back, he feels like he's one of the established leaders in the secondary. And so I, you know, I kick it to you. I mean, safety's just not really a position that's inspired confidence for Cowboys fans going back to you know, Roy Williams before they outlawed the horse collar tackle. Do you have any reassurance with J. Ron Curse as a leader in the secondary this season? Yeah, Curse is so interesting because he's like almost positionless, right? Like he has this, such a unique value in Dan Quinn's defense because he just kind of has this role that like nobody can truly put in words or define, but it's a role where he just floats around and somehow always ends up by the ball. And that's a veteran instinct type of thing. That's a credit to him as far as how he's always around the ball, more so than how he lines up. But Quinn using him in those alignments, you know, deserves credit as well. So yeah, he plays just a very unique like type of spot where, you know, it's almost positionless, like I said, and when you have that type of position, that in in and of itself almost forces you to become a leader because you know, you don't want just everybody out there running around, you know, playing positionless football. Almost every other spot is pretty scripted and you want to do exactly what you're being asked to do. But Curse has earned the right to kind of be that free-roaming type of guy and do what he needs to do depending on the matchup. And so other guys are going to look at that and say, yeah, he can lead us because he knows, you know, so many different responsibilities in this defense. He could play back safety. He could play down at linebacker, which is where he was probably at his best. And, yeah, the depth chart overall at safety is pretty grim. I mean, without Curse – like I said, might not even be, you know, technically a safety more times than not. It's really just Donovan Wilson, Israel Makiwama, and uh, Malik Cooker, who has, you know, a very long injury history. So you take those three guys and you have zero confidence in not only, you know, just their abilities there to stay on the field and be your starting safeties and 
make a difference, but you're not getting really any leadership out of some of those young guys and Hooker, who hasn't been here long enough, just last year. But then you throw Kosa, and suddenly everybody feels much better about it. So it's a huge testament to what he does, and he plays a unique position in Dan Quinn's defense and wanted to get a knee, and you can, you can even see him kind of lining up alongside Mika Parsons after having trouble linebacker this year. So, yeah, it's a unique uh, position that he's in, but you do need him, and they're going to have him for the next two seasons at least. Yeah, and I feel like he's the anti Keanu Neal. They brought in Neal, who was a safety, and they tried to make him play that linebacker role in the, you know, four-two-five nickel thing that they've got going on. They tried to make him play linebacker, and it just didn't exactly work out. But with J. Ron Curse, he was able to really take care of the back end at safety. And then he came down and played, like you said, a little bit of that linebacker role, and he provided some versatility to the defense. And it's also related to, like you said, Micah Parsons, It's it's he's able to do whatever Dan Quinn needs him to do. Whether he needs him to play in the secondary, whether he needs him to come down, Curse is reliable enough to do it. And I think with him coming to Dallas – having that prove-it year, and everything worked out. He was able to revitalize his career. And now you've got a veteran who has that sense of belonging that really he hasn't had since his Minnesota days. Um, Because in 2020, he was in Detroit, and then you know he comes to Dallas as another team uh, in as many years. But now he's in a place where he – belongs and I think that that bodes well for the defense and like I said just in terms of the cohesion and in terms of what you can count on from year to year you need that yeah and you can just add coast to a very long list of players who like you said feel empowered under Quinn and just feel that confidence from him to go out and be their best because they know Quinn is putting them in their best personal position to succeed so you mentioned for coast personally he hasn't had that since uh, playing in a Vikings defense, which is kind of much more rigid than what Quinn is currently playing with the Cowboys, you think Vikings defense, you think kind of deep cell cover two work and man man underneath with some long physical corners, and that fits Coach's profile pretty well as well. And not to say the Cowboys don't have length at cornerback and not, aren't going to play a lot of man either, so there's some similarities. But, yeah, it's pretty remarkable to watch from afar what Quinn uh, – has built around this defense as far as just the individual confidence some of these players show up to work to have um, and the trust that they have in him. And you can only hope it's something that the Cowboys keep together for a good amount of time. But even if not, you know, Quinn has left some some pieces here that can fit in any defense you feel when it comes to Parsons being probably the top candidate for that. And even Coase can settle into more of a safety role or a hybrid linebacker role uh, in a lot of different looks. And, of course, the pieces that the Cowboys are evaluating are their undrafted free agents, and albeit that the veterans, according to Mike McCarthy, have reported that this is an intelligent rookie class that gets it and understands it. You have Marquise Bell returning an interception for a touchdown in OTAs, and, oh, my goodness, 
He's an undrafted free agent safety. It's Barry Church and, and Danny McRae all over again. Do you think the Marquise Bell hype is a little bit too premature? Now, admittedly, he comes from Florida A&M, which is uh, the Hall of Famer, Bullet Bob Hayes, Alma, Mart- Mart- Alma Mater. But it just seems like you always get one of these stories every year of an undrafted free agent who shows out, has a good play in OTAs, and then a whole following is built behind them. And this is where you got to give Cowboys fans some credit to man. I mean, these really are some smart fans at times because we had this exact conversation as a segment last week with Jalen Tolbert, and you know that's a credit to the fans knowing that receiver is a need for this team, and that one's pretty obvious. It's not like probably any other casual fan couldn't tell you that the Cowboys need a receiver once once you learn that Amari Cooper was getting traded to the Cleveland Browns. But, you know, it's a credit to just knowing what this team needs. They, they really do understand this roster. And so, yeah, receiver's a position where even as a third-round pick, we expect a guy like Tobert can step in and have an opportunity. So we talked about that. And safety is the same way, if not even worse. I just mentioned there's no long-term answers on the roster. I mean, it gets – it's really grim. I mean, they – you could you could look at safety for this team and almost be convinced that they're going for another all-in Super Bowl or bust type of year, where they're like, oh, it doesn't matter what the future is because this group is part of a roster that's going to the Super Bowl. But then you look up and down the roster and you're like, oh, I don't know about that, man, and you don't know what the safety situation is going to be at all. So if Bell can be any part of that, I mean, that's huge for not only him personally to stick on a roster as a UDFA is a huge testament, but it'd be huge for the Cowboys as well and. Yeah, he's a hard-hitting guy. He can, he reads the field well. He moves well. So he, he has some of the traits that could certainly stick here. But, yes, I do personally think some of the hype has gone a little bit too far, too quick with him. You know, he's a UDFA for, the, for a reason. Those traits don't show up often enough. He's going to have to really work hard at it and develop and uh, be able to recognize things a little bit faster and be a step ahead of, you know, real competition in the preseason and all that. So, yeah, the hype has gone too fast on Bell, but – at the same time, it's the offseason. Things get boring at times, and why not? UDFAs are easy to root for, and the Cowboys desperately need safeties. And he's from Bridgeton, New Jersey. Where's that in relation to where you're from? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's you, you always find a way to bring up. Yeah, he went to Bridgeton High School. Bridgeton is, uh, I, must, I think that's like north, northwest of where I was. So north and getting yourself off the coastline. So like inland. In Oyen North. Okay. Yeah, so 6'3", 205 pounds. He's got the size. I think, again, it's it's part of what we thought. What I, so if you, if you ever get a chance to talk to him, sure, he's had a pork leg and cheese sandwich. But yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely bring that up to him. But I, I think it goes back a little bit to what we talked about on the Twitter spaces last week where I said – Randy Galloway talked about how if you overpredict the Cowboys, it gives you room to criticize them when they don't live up to it. I think it's kind of the same thing. Is The Cowboys have a history of undrafted free agents who have done well, Drew Pearson, Tony Romo, Cliff Harris, that they're always that you can always catch the fan base by mentioning an undrafted free agent. And with Bell at a position that, again, has been historically undervalued for the past 15 years with this team. 
I think it only makes sense. And with him having good plays like that, it just it makes for makes him to be a candidate for somebody's pet cat during training camp. But I think for him to make the team, he's really going to have to show up, take advantage of opportunities, not have any availability issues whatsoever. When it's Veterans Rest Day or whatever for Jaron Curse or for Malik Hooker, he's got to be taking those snaps. He's got to be competing with Tyler Coyle, and he's got to make his case on special teams. But then again, he may do so well, they just go ahead and trade him like they did Charvarius Ward in, I believe it was 2019, when that undrafted free agent defensive back was doing so well for Dallas. And they went ahead and they they dealt him to the Kansas City Chiefs for some tackle help. So, uh, yeah, you know, that could also be the trajectory for Marquis. I'm sorry, 2018, but that could be the trajectory for Marquis Bell. And the Cowboys you know, in recent, these past couple of years, haven't really shied away from, you know, using kind of down to roster spots for, you know, players that are kind of redshirting and not afraid to develop. You know, you have a tackle in Josh Ball now who's getting some OTA work because Tyron Smith is already dealing with some injury issues and you're evaluating what you have in Ball and, you know, guys like Simi Fajoko at receiver and, and they're not afraid to try to develop the right players if they can hold on to them. But for Bell, that's a challenge because, I mean, it's a, it's a razor-thin margin for error when it comes to what's starting at safety going into the year. But if they do stay healthy, you're going to have the majority of your snaps split between Coach Donovan Wilson, and Malik Cooker. So that leaves not a lot of room for anybody, including Bell, to really do much of anything. But if he does do enough, can you stash him on the practice squad and develop him without somebody else swooping in to get him on their active roster? It might be difficult. So, yeah, he might, he'd be a great candidate to you know, develop for another year. And then when we're sitting here talking about not having guys like potentially a Wilson or a hooker next year, can you transition Bell to be that next type of guy? But he's probably even a long way from having that discussion because like, you know, we have to see him in training camp. We have to see him push past Tyler Cole, all those things that you mentioned. Yeah. It'll make for an interesting off season and training camp for sure. Before we get out of here, Sean, let's go ahead and take a look at some Cowboys birthdays. We really only have two this week. On Thursday, turning 30 years old is Lucky Whitehead, who played receiver for the Cowboys from 2015 to 2016. Somehow that makes me feel old. Not that I knew how old Lucky Whitehead was when he played for the Cowboys, but somehow hearing a 30 next to his name makes me feel old. Yeah, and of course, he was cut because... They thought that he got arrested in 2017 during training camp, and someone yeah, I remember the whole yeah, used his identity, but I guess they were just tired. By the way, he had missed games, too. He missed that Giants rematch in December, I believe, week 14. Um, so, yeah, the team, they were just kind of tired of it with Lucky Whitehead. On Saturday, again, uh, talking about undrafted free agents, guys who made the team, Terrence Steele turns 25 years old on Saturday, and he's from San Antonio, Texas, a big proponent of San Antonio high school football being, you know, making its case in the state of Texas. He went to Chibalo Steele. So um, Terrence Steele, he turns 
25 years old. And played his college days at Texas Tech. As an Austin resident, I have not made my way down to the San Antonio area yet, but it, it is something that at some point I'm sure I'll plan on doing here. When you go down now, RJ, he'll have something else to say, I'm sure, which is understandable. But I would recommend as a tourist to take a bike ride of the missions down there in San Antonio on the river. Um, that that bike ride, they've got a bike trail that goes through the missions. That's pretty interesting, and you can rent your own bike too. Awesome, yeah, that is a that's definitely a good recommendation. I did just get a kayak recently here in Austin, so. I've been doing that all weekend, and uh, it's a lot of fun to be out there in the water right now. So, anyway, back to uh, to close things. Oh yeah, you ought to go swimming in Barton Springs too. I've been over. Yeah, I haven't been quite at that point yet, but I've been over in that general area, and then I do want to make my way to the Dripping Springs area, which is north of Austin. Um, they have some great areas to put it in as well. So, Terrence Steele is going to be a starting right tackle this year. You know, he's kind of the perfect microcosm this season of just exactly what the Cowboys are expecting from a whole boatload of players as far as a guy who at one point wouldn't expect anything of, and now he's worked really hard to make himself a starter and one that they're putting their trust in. It's not, you know, nailed to the wall firm that they should be putting as much trust as they are in Terrence Steele. It's not like the Cowboys can brag about like, oh, look where he is now, you know, just yet. They're going to push Terrence Steele and really try to get the most out of him and try to build a backup plan in case he isn't the answer as well. With guys like uh, fifth round pick Matt Oletsko, and I already mentioned Josh Ball, and, and they do have some contingency plans, but the initial plan is certainly to give Steele that, that job at right tackle. And there's going to be a lot of other players between now and week one who we, we just start to hear about as um, kind of maybe being this year's Terrence Steele, where they get thrown into that starting job and try to take hold of it and run with it. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be an exciting training camp for sure. We still got a few more weeks of OTAs and then mandatory mini camp. And uh, that also leaves me plenty of time to try to figure out how to get this pork roll, cheddar cheese, fried egg, bacon, no pickles, ketchup sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was kind of interesting. Uh, we talked about the Cowboys Instagram following and our spaces as well uh, this evening. Uh, it was interesting seeing like some pictures from the Jersey Shore this weekend, right? And everybody's down there, and it's all packed out, and you know the beaches are full, and all that's great to see. And you know it's kind of interesting to see like who's still hanging out there, and you know friends that are taking in the scene there, and nothing wrong with that, of course. And and then comparing what I was doing here in here in Austin, you know, seeing the similarities of just people being by the water and enjoying the beach and all that. So. Um, to anyone that was out there drinking in New Jersey, though, during Memorial Day weekend, I'm sure, or at least I hope, from my end, that you found yourself a pork roll sandwich, because as I've mentioned, it's a great hangover cure, and I'll leave it at that. Definitely, and uh, I'll have to do my homework on that. You've been listening to the Hidden Yardage podcast. Follow us uh, on Twitter, Mark Lane, at the real Mark Lane. And Sean Martin at Sean Martin NFL. Subscribe to the Hidden Yardage podcast on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. So there it is.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.